0: Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. To another edition of the running hook podcast i was almost gonna say alex and dylan basketball power hour but this isn't this isn't dylan hughes i have on it's a, a frequent guest on the running hook i'd say frequent this is like your second time on in like the last at least the last month it might have been sooner than that i have no memory at this point um but it's caleb lynn host of the lynn Sanity podcast on this very network caleb how are we doing today man
1: alex I'm i'm doing really well man i there is a lot to get into I uh, know you wanted this to be, you know, draft centered and, and I, I cannot wait to to dive into some of these guys and, and look at some transactions that that have maybe a little bit of a bigger impact than what people realize, uh, but aren't getting discussed to the highest. So I'm excited to see and have this discussion with you.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a fascinating episode, but we gotta we gotta really start off on a on a down note um clay thompson poor guy he tore his achilles and all like you know feeling bad for him aside this is a massive you know injury for the rest of the league like this is a guy that i would say at worst is a top 15 player right you could make a case that he's pretty close to the top 10 i i probably wouldn't go that far right but he's you know in his prime he was a elite defender and an elite three point shooter, the best three and D player in the league, I would probably say. Um, So let's just start off on that aspect. How big of an impact do you think, like how much do you think this impacts the warriors and their playoff chances?
1: I mean, for, for, for the way I look at the warriors, I, I think that their hype was really because Steph and clay were back. I I have a really, really, really big concern that I want to hit my panic button a hundred times on when it comes to their depth. I just want to keep hitting it. I I do not want to rely on Jordan Poole if I'm a top Western Conference contending team in the backcourt. I don't don't like the way that they are having to use their backcourt. I think if the Warriors can make some moves, which – I, don't, I definitely think that they are able to. We've already seen one made where they can start getting some better depth. I, I like that, but I think this is a massive deal because I've never been a huge believer in their depth. There's too many great – there's too many awesome teams in the West. Like an injury like Klay Thompson could drag you from being a fourth seed, to Alex to even being the eighth. Like that's how insane that the Western Conference is. And you know, and that's not me doubting Stephen Curry. I want to make that clear. That's just Clay Thompson is that big of a piece. And they're both better with each other. They're both better with each other. So when they when they don't have one or the other on the court, I mean that, that's that's gonna be a blow either way.
0: So this is gonna be a testament of a couple different things. <laughs> They obviously traded for Kelly Oubre and a trade that we'll touch on in a little bit, because that's sure. not our pressing concern, but they added Oubre, mm-hmm. right? Andrew Wiggins, who, well, this is going to be the biggest test of his career, but we'll get to Wiggins in a second. Uh-huh. To me, this is going to be the Steph Curry show, right? This is going to be what Damian Lillard's situation was in Portland, where mm. Damian Lillard is the prime, like in this scenario, Steph is Dame, and Andrew Wiggins is CJ with no disrespect meant to CJ, right? Because I know CJ is obvious. I'd rather have CJ a thousand times over a thousand over Wiggins. Yeah. But we're going to see what Steph Curry is going to be like, where he has to take all the offensive load on his shoulders. He hasn't had to do that since 2016. Been a while. And yeah, he's older now. I mean, he was always an older player. He came out of Davidson sure. after three years. Yeah. So we're going to see how he can handle himself, right? And how he can perform in that regard. But he is just going to be, this is going to be an interesting test of the Warriors. I think you're right. This does push them out of any possibility of a top four seed, unless Steph absolutely goes supernova, which is always a possibility seeing he is the yeah. top five player in the league. But right. I mean, so let's just look at the teams that we probably could have reasonably expected to be ahead of them. Okay. Sure. So the Lakers and Clippers, obvious, right? They have, yep. they each have two elite players and one of them is an injury risk in Kawhi, but they, they load manage Kawhi enough where I don't think he'll miss Kawhi will probably miss 15 games this year, mm-hmm. right? Like per the usual, um, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are a great regular season team as we've seen. And in the bubble, they proved that they were a great playoff team, right? Yep. The jazz I think can now be expected to finish ahead of the Warriors. Huh? Right. Yeah. I don't like the jazz have a lot of depth. They're going to, they're going to bolster their team. Like they always do. They're going to sign a couple of free agents. If they can get a bigger guy, like Millsap, that would be great for their team, but let's just, you know, let's not go entirely there for right now. Um, The trailblazers. Covington's Mm -hmm. a huge addition. And I think massive. They could reasonably like, they have a really solid shot of finishing in the top four. I think that they're really good. The Suns, this addition, it might just be a better team than the Warriors with Wiggins and Wiseman, right? Sure. It's going to be – so this is the other thing too, right? We're not going to talk about Wiseman when we get to our draft discussion later in the episode. But it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate this rookie center, right? It definitely will be. Who played two games in college. Yeah. NBA defense for centers is one of the hardest things to learn, Right. Draymond can't play center like that anymore I, Like I wouldn't think right he did it for Four years four or five years exactly. and it was, it was It's incredibly grueling Like PJ Tucker is a young 35 <laughs> You know he played in the yes, NBA he for is. He yeah. hasn't played in the NBA for very long um, Draymond played center for the better part Of five years not like all the time But he played sure. in in the most In the minutes that matter most Yeah, And it's going to be interesting to see what how Draymond performs, too, because we don't know. We just don't know, right? Like, is he going to be back to 2018 Draymond even? Draymond has only shot well one time in his career, and that was when Luke Walton was the coach. Yeah. If Draymond is given – because he's going to have to be given the green light to shoot. He's going else, to – yeah. Who else do they have on the team? <laughs> and let's 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 use that to transition to Oubre. Sure. So Oubre, to me, they traded him for a light – or not lightly. It was, a t- it was actually a pretty good trade for the Warriors, I'd say, given how presti for the Warriors. How given how Presty's been swindling, um, how he's been swindling teams in the pl- in this postseason. But top twenty protected first round pick, and if the Warriors are in the top twenty, it becomes two second round picks. That's that's pretty good, I would say. That's pretty good haul for Ubre for them to get off of. Basically, Oklahoma City's getting a free fifteen million. Off their books. So how do you see Ubre fitting in with this Warriors team?
1: Hey, uh, Alex, I I just think he is a player that has gone the cause of the bubble has just gone from very uh oh, he's a really good player you don't know about, to he's like criminally underrated, Alex. He he's you know, because we, we saw Phoenix, you know, obviously do their thing. Without him in the bubble, and then now, I mean, you're getting a guy Alex who is extremely young, a promising defender with great length. He can shoot effectively. He he can drive, and um, you know, I also like the fact he's left-handed. I think that's kind of cool. And he's he's got this ability. That's the lefty. To, yeah, he he's got this. Uh, he's got a swag to him that I like. I think the Warriors need some of that. Like, you not saying that, you know, they, they always have a culture and mentality, but, you know, when you don't have Thompson, especially, like, you still have to prove, like, yo, you know, we're effing back, baby. You know, like Curry and, and, and Green are going to do that, but Kelly Oubre is going to help that cause. That's a guy who plays confident, who... Uh, likes to keep the ego of the team in confidence. And I mean, Alex, I really don't understand why OKC moved off of Kelly Oubre. I don't either. He's, he's 20. He's so young. Like that's a part of your rebuilding. That's a part, that's a guy that you can move forward with. Um, I just thought this was a really good move by by Golden State to take advantage of a team who's desperate. I'll be honest, who's desperate for draft fix because the problem that I have for the Thunder is you have eighteen draft picks that I guarantee you you're not picking any of them, and you're going to suck for the next three or four years. So what are you doing? What are, what are you doing? You have eighteen draft picks and you you're not going to use them all. And I think that's a legitimate uh, problem that I don't think people are talking about. People can talk about the fact that uh, they're all oh, they're they're rebuilding and they're uh, trying to get younger. But but Alex, I mean there's a difference in how many picks you can have Right. And if right. you're not trying to um, you know, that number I think should be a little bit decreased from 18. And I would say, you know, they probably have a little bit more moves to make. I will ease. I could easily see them, you know, navigate the trade value on Steven Adams or somebody like that. Uh, if, if values, you know, if deals are available. So I, I like this deal for the warriors and I honestly, I'm just confused about it from the thunder perspective
0: yeah I so the appeal for picks is obviously this is a value that we can like you know we can do our own scouting we can do whatever whatever right sure that's the that's the value of picks but where it fails in practice is that like the draft is a total crap shoot when it comes down to it right that's exactly right. like so the brooklyn picks right yep so let's just look at all four of those Brooklyn picks. So the first one was yep. Terry Rozier. The second one was Jalen Brown. Hmm. The third one was Jason Tatum. The fourth one was Colin Sexton. Varying range of effectiveness there. I, if I was going to rank them one, two, three, four, it'd be Tatum, Brown, Sexton, Rozier. So yep. you know, varying ranges of effectiveness there and it's like obviously the higher you are to the top of the draft, right? Yeah. Then the better your selections are. Yep. But Dylan made a good point on Wednesday with like we were hearing all about this Miami pick, right? This unprotected Miami pick for years. And wh- where is it going to be next year? Like in the late 20s? Exactly. Like we've been hearing about that 2021 unprotected Miami pick for years. Yeah, we have. And it it's going to be worthless. Like it's literally going to be not worthless, right? Because no, actually it's going to be worthless because the Miami's pretty sure is going to keep their pick because it's I'm pretty sure. sure it's a pick swap. Right, with Oklahoma City somehow has the rights to that pick don't I'm not intimate with the familiar or I'm not familiar with the exact details hmm. with it, but hmm. yeah, the picks are better in theory than in practice, and people love in theory right That's everybody exactly loves right everybody loves in theory this is this is applicable to life as well as you know sports. sure it is. Yeah. but Everyone's like, "Oh, in theory, you know, this works," but they don't think about how it would actually work in a practice. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so, right. let's get back to Ubre because Ubre, to me, I did not realize he averaged almost 19 points a game this year. Mm, Cold blooded man. And so, let's just look: 1.3 steals, 1. Yeah. like six six rebounds. Like, this is a guy. He's only six seven, but he's 230 pounds. He could play four. Yeah. You know, like if you wanted yeah. him to, right? Uh-huh. Like if you wanted to, I don't know who would play two, though, because this lineup would work better with uh, Clay. <laughs> yeah, it definitely but would. I agree. You could play Draymond at five, him at four, Wiggins at three, something like that. Sure, right? you could. Sure, you could. And this is, this is the problem with Clay getting hurt. Coming back to that, like mm-hmm. it totally messes up their rotations. Like, yeah, it does. In the perfect world, right? Their starting lineup would probably be Clay. So it'd be Steph Clay, Ubre, Draymond, and Wiseman with Wiggins coming off the bench and doing, you know, all the scoring stuff, right? But, or I don't know how Wiggins would take that. He's the number one pick or whatever, I whatever, but. Yep, I know. Yeah. Still, again, in theory, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now your starting lineup is going to be Steph, Wiggins, Ubre draymond and wiseman and there is only one shooter i trust amongst that group and it is Stephen curry (laughs) i don't trust any of the other four from three i mean i don't not
1: enough yeah you need you need kelly to be better from
0: three. it sounds like wiseman's not going to shoot any threes but yeah i want someone out there like you know they they're probably gonna have to bench one of those guys they're probably not gonna be able to start all four of them right and you can't start pascal over draymond because pascal can't shoot either yeah. So I would probably trust Pascal more in a couple of years shooting, right? I think he, he looks like he has a good jumper. From what I've I seen. agree.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like him. I like him but a lot. I yeah. I just uh <laughs> I mm. d-
0: I don't know about the Warriors. The Warriors are gonna be a tough scenario. I'd say right now, six to is probably a solid bet for where they'll finish in the in the playoff run. Yeah. And really all the best to Klay Thompson. Everyone hopes you recover. You're You're one of my favorite players in the league and one of everyone's favorite players in the league. So we really, everyone just hopes that you can come back and make a full recovery and that your career isn't ruined because the Achilles, as we know, as we're going to see with Kevin Durant, it's one of the most devastating injuries there is. And if he can come back at full strength, that's remarkable because not a lot of people do. Not a lot of people do. I think Kevin Durant can, but I don't think that it's, it's hard. It's hard for sure. So Let's go ahead and move on yeah. to the Philadelphia 76ers. They made a couple moves that I found interesting. The first one I want to talk about is the Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade. <laughs> um so in this is another in theory versus in practice trade, right? Because in theory, the 76ers got railroaded in this trade, right? Because they gave up a way better player in Josh Richardson. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but hear me out, okay? Seth Curry, to me, fits that team perfectly because they need another shooter. They just need shooters. That's what they need. They need need guys that can shoot alongside Ben and Joel, right? And this is another trade that they made where they got off of Al Horford and got Danny Green, where they need guys who are respected as shooters, right? Danny Green shot horribly in the playoffs last year, but you saw the way teams closed out on him. They're still scared of him. They're oh, yeah, still, they are. They're still scared of Danny Green. He's a
1: reputation. Yep.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. He's a reputation shooter. And I heard someone say, you leave Tobias Harris open or you let Tobias Harris shoot a couple threes and he misses, you're going to sag off of him. Yep. So this is this to me is like, we'll talk about Josh Richardson to the Mavs. But to me, this makes the 76ers fit a whole lot better.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about Seth Curry specifically. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, that doc had an influence on this deal. Uh, there, there isn't a doubt in my mind there. And, and he, he comes in and and it gives this team a really good three point shooter. In my opinion, a very underrated defender, Alec. I I think Mm -hmm. he's not, uh, talked about in that light. I think he had a reputation, uh, coming out of college, uh, Duke and, uh, and, and Liberty where he was not the greatest on defense, uh, but he, he's honestly really gotten better at that. Now I'm not saying he's like a top of the top guy, but, but he's definitely made it to where he's playable on that end. He's serviceable on that end. And I think with, with Seth, you know, this is a guy that's going to fit in well, because he is a catch and shooter at the end of the day. And, you know, when you look at how you mentioned with Ben being this ultimate creator, ultimate passer, um, I could see Seth Curry actually, you know, hear me out here. I could see Seth Curry being an even better Bellinelli. Bellinelli had a lot of strive, you know, a lot of, and had that very good year uh, when he was in Philly after the buyout with him and Ilya Sova. And I could see Seth Curry being the Bellinelli, just the extremely effective three-point shooter probably even better three-point shooter with an even better defensive game. Like, I could just see him fit seamlessly there. I'm also very curious if they don't move off of Embiid in the potential Harden package to see Seth come off some screens a little bit because, I mean, I'm trying to think about this off the top of my head, Alex. I mean, who has Seth Curry really played with right who he's been able to use off stuff like that. It's true. uh, Just create, you know, I think that'll be something to to keep an eye on. Does that unlock another part of his three point game? It could, Uh, it could. And so I think this is a move that I, I, I definitely see why Philly made the move. I'll say that I see it. I, I can understand the logic.
0: I understand the logic too, right? Like, yeah. This is – so something that Daryl Morey got accused of often in Houston was that he did not care for chemistry, right? He did not care yep. for chemistry. He only cared uh, about putting stars together, right? That's
1: exactly right.
0: But this is – kind. Of, these two moves are kind of going against that, right? Where, like, it was obvious that Richardson and Horford and Tobias Harris really – none of them really fit, right? Sure. But you take two of them out of the equation and try to fit the third one, that'll probably make more sense, right? And I – yeah. I have to say of all the three, Tobias Harris probably is the safest one to keep. I probably would have kept Richardson myself, but I mean, Curry and Danny Green to me are both going to be, are going to thrive in Philly and it's going to make like hundred percent. So you could slide Tobias or Ben down to the four, right? One of them is going to play power forward this upcoming season. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. And knowing Doc, he's probably going to play Tobias at power forward because that's, that's what he does. That's um, when he unlocked him. Right. Right. That's exactly in Los Angeles. So Uh having Danny Green and Seth Curry as your starting backcourt, you might not think that that's like a, you know, dynamic duo, but Seth, you're right. Seth is an underrated player. And the Bellinelli thing to me that you hit the nail on the head with that because like the way Bellinelli was bombing threes in Philly, (laughs) Seth Curry shot, (laughs) (laughs) Seth Curry played 24 minutes a game last year and shot five threes a game. That number is going up, 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 up. up, up. up. (laughs) Like, and then Danny Green's defense. We were talking about this pre-show, sure. But then the Lakers losing Danny Green, I think that's going to be a a big loss for their defense. Yeah, like that's going to be. I don't know. That's just to me is going to be a really strong loss for the for the Lakers. It, It yeah. Go ahead
1: and it adds to Philly's incredible perimeter defense anyway with Ben Simmons with Matisse Thybulle. Danny Green is somebody that a lot of teams would be like ecstatic to have as their potentially second or best perimeter defender. Danny Green is probably their third best perimeter defender, Alex. That is an insane third best perimeter defender. I know Danny Green is not the exact same guy he may have been in Toronto per se, but I mean, like you and I talked about, he has a reputation to shoot the three effectively. Nobody's disputing that. And he still has a really good defensive ceiling.
0: And you look at the percentages, right? I'm going to yeah. go to the playoff percentages. I'm pretty sure. sure he shot 36% for three in the playoffs. It's not like he shot mind-numbingly bad. It just seemed like every time I watched him, the shot didn't go in. But Yeah,
1: that's what I thought too.
0: This yep. year, he shot 37% from three in the regular season. I'm going to go to the playoff stats, but teams had to guard him, right? When he when he shot that shot... So, okay, he shot 34% from three in the playoffs, which isn't, which isn't great. But the way that teams guard him, right? The way that teams guard him, really, he hasn't shot better than forty percent since two thousand fourteen, right? I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a coincidence in the playoffs. Hmm. Like, I'm d- yeah, in the playoffs he hasn't shot better than forty percent since two thousand fourteen when they when the Spurs won. Fair. But I don't think it's a coincidence because he's been such a good shooter that it's not surprising that teams are going to go they're going to game plan to stop him right? Yeah. They know if he gets hot, they're screwed. We saw in the 2013 and 14 finals in the, in the playoffs in general, because in the finals, sure. everyone was hot for the Spurs in 14, but exactly. um teams when he gets hot, he is an incredibly great shooter. Yeah. Yes. So going all out to stop him is going to help Ben and Joel, right? Cause there's going to be I a agree. guy glued to him. There's going to be yep. a guy glued to Seth. So the spacing is going to be a lot better this year. Right. And if, Tobias's three point percentage will probably jump back to what a regular year for him would be. I would hope, yeah. So if you can just run the team better and if you can get Ben to run more pick and rolls, which seems to be one of the issues, yeah, then I think you're in a great place. And yeah. Let's go ahead and transition off of that to Josh Richardson in Dallas, because I think that's a that's a phenomenal fit right there. That's phenomenal. like upgrading from Seth Curry to Josh Richardson. Seth Curry was great in Dallas last year. No, I don't think he was. Either either of us would deny that. But having Josh Richardson as your secondary creator now instead of Tim Hardaway Jr. is gonna be huge. I think that helps offset the loss of of, uh, Porzingis until he gets back. And having, so okay, having the perimeter trio of Doncic, that's another team that could be better than Golden State by the way, that we totally forgot. 100%. 100%. That's that's another team that's probably gonna be better than Golden State. So you have Doncic, Richardson, and Hardaway Jr. Those three guys to me are going to be. I like that. that's that's a force to reckon with right there. If Hardaway Jr. plays as well as he did last year, mm-hmm. that's like that's legitimately a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, how do you like the how do you like the Josh Richardson to Dallas fit? Uh,
1: I mean, I would love to be in the middle of that phone call when the Sixers said we wanted Seth Curry, and then Dallas probably may have just said, "Oh, well, we'd like Josh Richardson." And then the sixers are just like, "Oh, well, hey, we'll just give you a second round pick on top of that. like like no big deal. I mean, if I was at the uh, if I was in the the front office that day, uh, plenty of drinks would be had after that deal because I just I think this is a ridiculous move, Alex. and the thing the thing that I think is interesting, Alex, with the Dallas thing is Philly made him a catch and shooter. And I think if you watched him play, it was not Josh Richardson's on a decline. Like everybody who watched them play, who saw them play, whether that is in the bubble or regular season, could see that Josh was limited in what he could do. Brown did not let him be anything more than a catch and shooter and play good defense. And that is not what made him good in Miami. He was so much more than that. He three assists, Alex, three assists. Yeah. I mean, you know, that number is going to bounce up. He had four assists but the year before they traded him. I see those numbers going up a lot with being in Dallas because of their unselfish and great creativity that Rick Carlisle has. I think that this is a, a move that's going to unlock his skills in so many ways. And I'm excited to see Richardson play with, now, I understand that Przingis is not going back to like, you know, January or something, but I'm curious to see a guy like that with Richardson. Because again, when you're looking at Miami, Miami's always had dive hard bigs. Mm-hmm. Philly, I don't even count Joel Embiid as three-point shooters. Every guy's dive hard big. If you have a guy like Przingis who could pick and fade, you can use the length of Richardson and some pick and rolls. And, you know, you have, I think, an underappreciated part of Tim Hardaway as everybody talks about, oh, he he can get on fire really quickly. I really like Tim Hardaway as a catch and shooter. And so this is a team in, in uh, Dallas that I just think upgraded in a way that was needed because Seth Curry, I Would you wouldn't say Seth Curry was bad, but I have always thought they needed another guy to just help create. And it didn't need to be anything oh, out the wazoo, Alex. I mean, you and I have talked about a potential Malik Beasley fit. But this mm-hmm. is this is just as good. This is this just is better. as good as getting. Yeah, this is better. Yeah, this is, this is, better. is better. And you're uh, to me, what a move by what a move by Dallas because he he does have a one year deal. He is on an expiring. You got to think that they will look to resign him. You oh. got to think. You got to think. So this is a great move for Dallas. Love it. Love
0: it. I I love it for them. The, to me, Richardson is the definition of jack of all trades, master of none. Right. Yep. He, yep. Like. That fits into a T because he can do a little bit of everything, right? Sure. He can dribble a little. He can pass a little. He can shoot a little. He can, you know, he defends a lot, but let's, he does. Let's talk, Like, he's not like, I would say last year he was pretty elite defending, actually, but let's, we don't have to get into that right now. And he's, sure. he's just good in every facet of the game, right? And that's something that a team like Dallas needs. They need more guys like that, right? We talked about upgrading the Justin Jackson spot, right? The fact that they kept Dorian, they have Dorian Finney Smith still. I, I would say that, him, that Justin Jackson spot, or I talked about that with Dylan. Uh, that Justin yeah. Jackson spot is pretty upgraded. Like, yeah. now, like you don't need yeah. to play Justin Jackson anymore except in the regular season. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. And you can slide Finney Smith down to four more and play a small ball lineup that way. There's so sure many different can. possibilities, and Carlisle is such a great coach. Carlisle's the forgotten great coach of the league. Everyone forgets that he's, he, such, a he great, is. he's such a great coach. But – something was reminded to me, I don't remember what podcast I was listening to because they were talking about Steve Nash, but Rick Carlisle was the coach, basically. He was basically running the team when Larry Bird was in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So do with that information what you will, right? Yeah. He basically was running was running the Pacers when they made the conference finals and met the finals. So yeah. Carlisle's always been a great coach, right? And I'm curious to see how, how they perform next year because I think that this could give them a real boost because it to me that could. was all they were missing and I know you're not high on Kleba, but he to me like having that front line right with Kaliba, I like him
1: more yeah in this deal he, he's a better player for me
0: Kleba, Powell yeah. Porzingis you just go down the front court now and it mm. all makes a lot more sense yes it does so I don't know what Dwight Powell's injury status is I'll look that up real quick but if he's back healthy, I think that this is gonna be this is gonna be fascinating, fit, right? Like we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, uh, I'm curious to see what happens with that, but I mean, Al Horford to the Thunder. We don't really need to talk about that. <laughs> we don't really need to talk about Al Horford to the Thunder. There's not much going on there. They're gonna try to ship him out the first chance they can. Um let's talk about gordon hayward declining his option because that's that's a fascinating situation in it's certainly a choice in this economy right in this nba to decline a player option especially one that's over 30 million dollars but sure i mean just so do you think that gordon hayward doesn't just just doesn't want to be in boston anymore do you think what do you think is going on with gordon hayward
1: We have to see if there's, there's gotta be a bigger deal, Alex. I mean, you, you, you don't, you don't sit there and, and not take this. (laughs) I mean, you don't sit there and not take 34 million if it's handed to you, Alex. I mean, I, I don't, honestly, and I don't even care who you are as a player, top tier, lower tier. I don't care. It's 35 and a $35 million. So, I mean, if you're, if you are the the Gordon Haywards of the world, and you're declining that deal, there is somebody that you know, a team that you know, New York Knicks, who are looking to offer a long deal who needs some stars. And I'm going to be the guy who really plays the opposite way on this, which is I think Boston needs to move on. Oh, yeah. They just need to move on this is a player that I like. I don't care. I, I, to be honest, Alex, I don't care if he signs less than 35 million, move on. You've got, you've got other things that you've got to do to rejuvenate this team. You need to figure out how to get better backup play uh, behind Kimball Walker. You need to find a way to uh, mix and match Daniel Dice's minutes and declining this deal for, for Hayward uh, gives him, gives the Celtics a little bit more creativity in how they can explore that depth. And I mean, I understand we've had a lot of people talk about, oh, well, uh, the Pacers want Gordon, the Pacers want Gordon, the Pacers want to trade Miles Turner and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I think really, you know, sure, he'd be a good fit there. But I, I also really believe that, you know, just getting off the salary in general and just, building the rest of their roster is going to be better. I think Hayward is going to be on a team that rots. I'm going to say he's on Knicks. Uh, I, maybe, I'm not as crazy on this bit as everybody else is, but hearing a lot about Atlanta, Alex, I'd be curious to see what you think there. I'm definitely not as crazy on that. Uh, I, I think there's a couple teams that are sitting there in the market for him that I just, I'm like, just go to the Knicks if you want money because the Knicks just need truck rating. So I'd be my only logic in terms of team fit and money. Cause you know that there's something long-term out there. He's not declining 35 for no reason.
0: I, I would agree, but also I don't know where he's going to get the money from. He hasn't looked like 2017 Gordon Hayward, right? Sure. Deserved every ounce of a max contract. Yeah, he did. And this is, this is again, it's, it bears repeating that this is not, this is not Gordon's fault, but the second he, you know broke his ankle that he yep. just hasn't been as good yeah and he hasn't been that great since since he you know uh-huh. that injury uh-huh. happened and yep. he like at best he's been a uh, top 75 player i yep. would say exactly yeah like he his place in boston's pecking order was where it deserved to be Right? It was fourth. He deserved to be fourth. He deserved to be behind T- Jason. He deserved to be behind Kemba. He deserved to be behind Jalen. I mean, over Marcus, obviously. But he's so if he has the promise to be a first option, right? You don't be an all star like that and be as good as Gordon Hayward was if you don't want to be the first option. I think the Knicks makes too much sense, right? Sure. As for the Atlanta thing, it would be intriguing because you bump everyone down a roll, right? You give. You give Trey someone who's a good playmaker still, even with all the caveats I just said about him not being as good since he, you know, broke his ankle. I don't know. It'd be an interesting fit to to watch, but I don't think it would work. I I just don't think it would work because, like – like do you start reddish do you start hunter what's the starting lineup like see
1: yeah that that's what i'm saying that's what i want to get into with it is so if you're atlanta right now you you really like the fact that herder is this lights out catch and shooter Mm -hmm. and so you you like the fact that you feel like you have the young understand. I'm not trying to compare here. I'm just saying they're a young version of the splash brothers. They like to shoot. They have good percent, all that stuff. That's what they kind of see there. Okay. Small forward, you just picked the 100 in the top five, Alex. So you're telling me... Yeah. And so you're telling me that you're going to move off of a top five small forward, a guy they picked in the lottery just this last year for a guy, which you and I just talked about, who's not insane in terms of a player... You can honestly make an argument he's not even an upgrade over DeAndre Hunter or Candy Oh, he, because
0: he is definitely an upgrade. He is not an upgrade.
1: Let me well let me just play devil's advocate in this sense, Alex. If I'm the Atlanta Hawks and I have this huge cat money, am I just using my money to just use money on signing Hayward when I have a top five pick and a top? You know and, what I mean? That's all I'm saying, Alex. Because I, I, I don't know if that's the right uh, logic to use the money. Uh, to sign a guy like Hayward when I have two promising young players that just need more time.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, right? Because I think Reddish has one of the most scintillating potentials in the last year's draft. Yeah, I agree. Like, I would say it's probably, like, him, Ja, and – okay, Ja and Zion are obviously on a different level, but Reddish and Hero, to me, are on the same level, like, in terms of enticing potential. Yeah. Like – Yeah. And that's saying something because Hero – showed out in the playoffs. And obviously we haven't seen Reddish in months, but right. (laughs) Reddish to me, like the way he already defended as a rookie, right? Like, okay. You know more about the draft than I do. And we'll talk about last year's draft real quick. Did Reddish Uh defend like this at Duke? Was he this good on defense at Duke?
1: I think he was a good defender at Duke, but you know, I think the big thing is, I think he knew that in the NBA, his strength was going to be athleticism and transition which defense is a way that you can show your athleticism and transition in transition. And then so I think Reddish took his defense up to another level when he got to the NBA.
0: And if he keeps playing defense like that, then he's going to be a valuable player for years to come. Very especially much. if he can, if he can develop any kind of offense, right? Very much so. So you got to take that. And then I see, okay, this is where the Hayward thing is interesting because you okay. could go 75 different ways with Hayward, right? He's, since he's opted out, he's easily the best player on, in the free agent class. I mean, excluding Anthony Davis, who is going sure. to re-sign with the Lakers, right? We this is a this is a formality. Yep. Yeah. Hayward is by far to be the best player in the free agent class. I would rather have Gordon Hayward over Danilo Gallinari. Like just oh, yeah. Like I don't I don't think that's close. I no, mean, not at all. Hayward to me is a way better defender than Gallinari is. Totally I mean, is. I mean, Hayward's looked a lot better, right? Because we forget that Hayward's prime has coincided with him being in Boston with you know yeah. Tatum and Brown and then in right. Utah when his center was Rudy Gobert. <laughs> so yeah, Right. We'll see how he looks on a different team, but Hayward to me it's going to be I this is just a, it's a fascinating fit. It is. It um, is. I agree. Well, oh, god, this is so fascinating to me cuz I love I love Hayward, right? I want to see where he goes. I do too. Yeah. I don't want him in Indiana though. I think that's a, I think that's a bad fit. I don't think they need, I don't think they need Gordon Hayward. If you, if you trade for Gordon Hayward, I want to see Victor Oladipo go out over miles. Cause I think miles had a real groove playing power forward this year. Exactly.
1: Like, do you hear that one? And <laughs>
0: this is what, like I, you notice I co-opt a lot of Dylan's takes, but you know, yeah. they're the, they're yeah. the takes that are good. Like, Miles to me and to Dylan, I noticed we both noticed this was that Miles started playing a lot better once he started playing more four, right? Once he got used to it and playing on the perimeter more. And with a coach like Bjorkran, I want to see him try out the two big style. I want to see him. I I want to see him try it. I want to see Miles shoot seven threes a game. Mm. I want to see Miles shoot seven threes a game. I want to see Domas handle the ball all the time. Good point. I wish the I wish the Pacers hired Chris Finch because he's the guy that's, you know, unleashed Jokic, right? And did all that stuff. But Sure. I don't think Gorkin was a bad hire, right? If Nurse trusts him, <laughs> then who yeah, am I not to you're trust you're him? Exactly. Um Yeah. The Hayward situation is gonna be fascinating because the Knicks probably seem like the logical destination, and to me that's a giant waste of thirty million a year. Like he could use that money so much better. Like I'd rather sign Fred Van Fleet for twenty. A year than Gordon Hayward for thirty, as crazy as that sounds.
1: That is crazy, and I don't know
0: where I stand. I mm. okay. Here's here's <laughs> I don't my like thinking. Both, right, but uh, here's yeah. my thinking. Right, at least I know Fred Van Bleet is going to score at a high level and play defense at a high level, right? Whether that leads to playoff success, since he's six feet tall, you know. Whatever, but whatever. I'd rather sign the certainty than the unknown. That's fair. Because the unknown is that Hayward is, Hayward can be like he was in Utah. We don't know that. We don't know if Hayward can be as good as he was in Utah. That was a long time ago. He was in Utah. The last time he played in Utah was 2017. Hmm. So by the time the season tips off, it'll be practically 2021. Yeah. I think, I think, I just think it's a fair concern. That's, that's all I'm saying.
1: No, nope, With you.
0: 100%. So let's move on to this crazy Bogdan Bogdanovich situation. Um, <laughs> Dylan and I talked about it on the pod like it was going to happen, right? Like it, it was just going to happen. But then the Bucks released Ursan Ilyasova and any hopes of a trade went suddenly out, careening out the window. Um, Let's just start with you on this one. What's your take on this whole Bogdan, Bogdan uh, situation? Uh,
1: <laughs> well, there there's so many ways to go about this, Alex, and I'll I'll tell you it. When it comes to getting, you know, the uh the, the move here. Um I mean this is just emb- it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that this happens in a trade. Um it's embarrassing that Ilyasova sucks so bad that they released him because they couldn't get a trade done. It's embarrassing that this is a this is where they're at. The Bucks were doing all of this to try to get him, you know, to get the main man back. I don't need to say his name to get the main man back. And it doesn't seem like you're helping your cause with not getting this deal done. Reputations will be handed out because of this deal. Um, there will be players that say, Hey, do you remember this? Do you remember the fact that they did this agreed to this? Do you remember this? I, I, I do think that this is a big deal in reputation because everybody knows that they want to get players to go with Giannis. And I mean, Alex, this is a deal that I just, I don't have a whole lot of words for it, but I just think is embarrassing for both sides in how this was handled.
0: Yeah. Um, to me, this is starting to look more and more like teams are just complaining about the Bucks tampering, right? Which is hilarious because the teams that probably complain are the Golden State Warriors, the Miami Heat, and the Dallas Mavericks, right? Let's make let's make that abundantly clear. You know what all three of those teams have in common, Caleb? You hmm. what, what do all three of those teams have in common? I, you have any idea? I I just I can't scratch I can't fathom why they would be complaining about the Bucks tampering. It just it defies it defies the imagination. I, it's just this startling, right? Who who could possibly tamper? What is uh, tampering? Please.
1: I don't think it, anybody it, knows what that is, Alex.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't think like the league is so pure, right? So no one honest. no no one could possibly sign a Kemba Walker contract hmm. two hours before the before the moratorium opens. No that could no, never happen. No, that no would but... never happen. This this is ridiculous, okay? I and Caleb, I'm so, I'm just going to go on a little rant here. I'm sick of this purity bullshit, okay? I'm sick of it. There's no purity in sports, okay? We need to get this image out of our heads. Everybody tampers, right? Everybody's probably doing some kind of performance-enhancing drug to make themselves better at the sport, okay? We have to get this image out of our head that everything's all pure, right? Everything's all snowball white. Everything's all, you know, crystal clear. Because it's yeah. not, okay? We saw last year. Kevin Durant and Campbell Walker both signed with their teams before the fucking moratorium lifted. This like, we why is anyone mad about this? And we were talking before the show, right? There's a famous, famous Jerry, Jerry Tarkanian quote about the NCAA. Mm-hmm. It's Jerry Tarkanian said the NCAA was so mad at Kentucky, they gave Cleveland State three years probation. Right, it's an it's an iconic quote for a lot of reasons because we see that's how the NCAA operates and this is what it looks like the the league is doing now. Why does anyone care? Right, this isn't even tampering because, okay. So this this is why it isn't tampering even because if they True. were negotiating a sign and trade, why can't the Kings negotiate with their own restricted free agent?
1: Yeah, exactly right.
0: Like. And I saw on Twitter That's yesterday exactly. a link to Bogdan Bogdanovich and his agent who orchestrated the whole Marcus Morris situation and the Nemanja Bielitsa situation with, you know, with Sacramento or with uh, Philadelphia and Sacramento. And yeah. I am I can see kind of the connection there, but this to me just feels like everyone's complaining about tampering. And it's hmm. it honestly just feels gross because it's like, there are teams with Agenda out there trying to get Giannis, right? Everyone wants Giannis yeah. to be a free agent next summer. Yeah, they do. And, it, this, like, I can't just help but feel that way. Like, yeah. why the hell do you care about tampering now? Everyone tampers. Everyone tampers. Exactly. Like, obviously, you can't do it the Magic Johnson style of tampering, right? You can't do the, oh, I love Paul George. I would love to have oh, him on sure. the Lakers, right? Yep. Like, you can't, like, that's obviously not good. But, you know, behind the scenes, why does anyone care? You do it too. Shut up. Like, I'm... <laughs> Like it legitimately boggles the mind. Because like yeah, no, it feels like there's an anti Bucks agenda. The Bucks are a small market. They're trying to win. And you're gonna take this away from them because you can't stand the thought of a team negotiating with its own restricted free agent and negotiating a trade to send a guy to the to the right. Bucks. Right. Like this trade wouldn't have even happened until after Friday, but it was allowed because it's it's his own team. Like restricted yeah, exactly. free agency is different. Yeah, and now it's going to yeah. be an awkward situation with Dante and DJ Wilson because they go, those guys are almost traded.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like you think they you think they feel valued? No.
0: No. No. And it's like if I was going to want any guy on my team to feel valued before I tried to trade his ass, it was Dante DiVincenzo. That's exactly right, Alex. Like that's exactly right. That's exactly just, right. It's frustrating, and then the Bucks the Bucks do the most Bucks move of all, of all time, trying to avoid the luxury tax. It's like. <laughs> All these things, okay, I'm going to say a lot of things and all these things are true, okay? The Kings are incompetent. Joe Dumars is a terrible GM, okay? The Bucks oh, are incompetent. Dumars is a
1: terrible GM, Alex? Wow, Alex. Wow, Dumars? Dumars is such a bad GM. It's not like he has t- any boobs to show for it, Alex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go tell that to Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> remember the remember those contracts so oh yes Alex oh yes okay the bucks are bucks are terrible terrible owners and they're fucking loaded and they can't pay the they can't fathom the idea of paying the luxury tax you dodged the luxury tax last year why not pay it this year right and it also can be true that this is really 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 gross in terms of like tampering Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like in terms of like how we, how we feel about tampering. Right. Like it just is like, why are you, why do you care so much? Everybody tampers with each other. Like everybody's talking to each other. There have probably been deals that have been negotiated upon for months that are going to be announced at six o'clock today. Right. Like, like you, are do you mean to tell me Caleb that teams just all, like Timothy Moskov just, Happen to call the Lakers up at twelve o'clock and be like, "Here you go, sign me to a contract." Right? You mean to tell me that, like, you mean to tell me they called, they followed the rules? Right, right. It just it is infuriating because it shouldn't even be a big deal because of the Kings, but I the Bucks, right? For some reason, Adam Silver find him about Giannis, (laughs) talking about their own guy wanting to sign a contract extension. Why the hell are you doing that? If the Lakers, if the Pelicans did that with Anthony Davis, are they gonna Mm. get fined? You know, why are you getting fined for talking about a guy's future free agency?
1: Uh, Yeah, I know, I know. So just it doesn't. Oh,
0: it's bad. To borrow a segment from your show, Adam Silver needs to get the sack. Okay, I'm sick of it. Needs to
1: get the sack, baby.
0: I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Everyone's like, oh, Adam Silver is such this great commissioner. No, no, he's just as shady as Stern was. But everyone's like, oh, you know, Donald Sterling, Donald Sterling. So no one's going to talk about like, I don't think it's unfair to say, Caleb, that the league was a lot better off even during late era David Stern, where the league was obviously wreaking games. I don't think think I'm that crazy to say that. Like, the league was in like a lot healthier state. Now, do they have Michael Jordan? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. they did. But still, man, I just, I don't like the direction where the league is going. I just, I, because it feels like they're trying to get Giannis off of Milwaukee. And that feels gross to me. Like, I'm not small market king Devin Voss over here, right? Like, I don't think anyone sure. would accuse me of that. But shout out Devin, by the way. I love you. Shout man, out Voss. Yeah, shout out Voss. Um... I don't think anyone would accuse me of being a small market lover, but you gotta give them a chance. Yeah, you do. I agree. You've got to like you can't just the league is obviously better when the Lakers and the Knicks and the Celtics are good, right? They but you gotta get you gotta give the Pacers a chance. You gotta give the Bucks a chance. You gotta give the Timberwolves a chance. Although the Timberwolves haven't earned a chance per se, but You think you've had a better shot? Like Milwaukee hasn't won a title since
1: 73, Alex. I mean right. this is the best chance that you will ever have. To get a title and you're blowing it before it's even starting.
0: They Like they just, they definitely deserve some blame here for sure. Like the way sure. that they've handled this situation hasn't been, They're hasn't great. been phenomenal. No, but. I can't also act like, <laughs> I also can't act like this is really gross from the league. Like, oh, like yeah. I said, all, all things can be true. All things can be true that this is really gross incompetence from the Bucs and the Kings. And this is also just like I took I took a very early opportunity to laugh at this on Twitter. Right. Because, you know, the Kings always oh, yeah. mess up. Yep. But this is becoming more and more clear to me that this isn't the Kings fault. Sure. This is more this is more the NBA's fault. And Bogdan Bogdanovich. Let me let me just make one last point before we move on to our, our last guy. Um. Bogdan Bogdanovich isn't worth all the scrutiny. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the other thing about this. I know. Bogda- I know. Bogdan is good.
1: Yeah. Like I'm I not going si-
0: to I'm not going to sit here and say Bogdan Bogdanovich sucks, right? Sure. We both I'd say but would you agree it's a stretch to say he's a top 100 player? Like he's very he's probably really close to that, but I I don't think I'd have him in the top 100.
1: No, I would I would definitely not have him in the top 100.
0: Like he is not worth all the scrutiny. And no. the fact that this guy is being this scrutinized it just yeah. it, it makes me mad because it's like like if it was LeBron James, right? Let's oh. just that's the easy example, right? Like if yeah. LeBron James, you know, this was his rookie contract, whatever. It makes sense, right? That this is receiving this level of scrutiny. Sure. Obviously, LeBron James is not being signed and traded, but like certain guys are with the level of scrutiny, right? Like if this was let's just throw another let's throw De'Aaron Fox out there. If this was De'Aaron Fox, he's worth the scrutiny, right? De'Aaron Fox is probably a top 50 player in the NBA, I just don't think Yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich is worth all this. Yeah. Like,
1: I'm with you. I'm it was with a you. Pretty I see good, what you're
0: doing. It was a pretty good trade for both sides. Like, the Kings would save some money with Ursan Ilyasova. They'd have a nice young wing that they could maybe do stuff with and Dante, right, try some stuff out with him. I just... Bogdan Bogdanovich is not worth all this scrutiny and I, it just makes me mad because... Uh, it, he's just not worth the scrutiny. He's just not worth the scrutiny. But let's move on yeah. to, to Ricky yeah. Rubio. Sure. Um, the, the Timberwolves traded him, traded for him from Oklahoma City. They saved him from the train wreck that was Oklahoma City for James Johnson and a couple of first round picks. So, Caleb, how do you feel like Rubio fits in Minnesota?
1: Well, um, I think (laughs) the really easy way to look at this, Alex, is their backup point guard last year was Jordan McLaughlin and Ricky (laughs) Rubio is their backup point guard. So it's a significant upgrade. Uh, But in all seriousness, I I really do think that this has a chance to unlock Carl Anthony Towns. And I also really believe that it has a chance to unlock D'Angelo Russell because, you know, I do think you and I would both agree. D'Angelo Russell is a score first point guard. So if you drop him to two, maybe uh, mm-hmm. you have Rubio come in at starting point guard and you have Rubio Russell. I mean, this is just me sniffing out a lineup here. Um, you can do a lot of things with it, right? Because they obviously picked Anthony Edwards. You think they might want to try to get Beasley back. So they're deep in the perimeter. They're very deep. Uh, so they have a lot of options that they can do. But I, I just think this is a move that doesn't hurt you. It just doesn't hurt you. You were so bad at backup point guard that, that it, it needed to be addressed. And this is a move that addresses it. I don't really think you traded all that much to get it, if I'm gonna be quite honest, uh, because of the way that the picks went, you know, ended up, you know, unless you think James Johnson is a good player, but we all know that's just getting bought out. So it it's a it's a deal that um logically for the team and and for how those guys are, uh, could fit in very well. And the other thing I'll say, Alex, is Carl Anthony Towns has never played with a point guard that passes like that. So, I mean, you can get a lot more just easy opportunities because of Rubio's playmaking.
0: And well, he has played with a point guard that has like that. He played with Ricky Rubio. <laughs>
1: well, but the, to but I mean, I, I don't believe that Towns was in a place in development to where he could take advantage of that. Now, I think it's fair to say that Carl Anthony Towns is, you could argue, the best offensive center in the league. And I think with Towns, like he's got this ability to – use his spacing well he's gotten more mature in his body and I think he will recognize and appreciate more of how um, Rubio can just give him those those easy shots as a big guy that you just can't get with every other point guard
0: I really love Rubio to the, to the Wolves I think yeah. that I think D'Angelo to the two is probably going to be the way to go with this it's going to be terrible defensively but I mean Rubio can guard ones but let's just D'Angelo's defense here is going to be a wash (laughs) because I mean, but it removes the pick and roll possibilities because you're not going to see a lot of twos, you know, running pick and rolls. So that takes D'Angelo Russell out of that equation. Exactly. I think that this is a a phenomenal move. Um, Rubio's defense is still top of the line, right? He really was pretty good in Phoenix last year. Like he's been really good since he was traded. He was from really the first good
1: in Phoenix last year.
0: He was really good in Phoenix. He was really good in Utah, right? I would say Utah would have probably been better off keeping him over Conley, like after what we saw this I last year. That. I would say they probably would have been better off keeping Rubio, but still, yeah. Like this is going to elevate them. I think we'll see how they bolster their bench. We'll see what happens with Malik Beasley, but. You're right. It sure is that the point guard minutes, they have 48 minutes of solid point guard play now, which is right. better than what they could say last year.
1: It's exactly so, right.
0: So, you know, Towns to me, that'll be interesting, right? Like to see what happens with that. If he actually buys it on defense. I mean, we've been saying that for the last five years. Uh, I agree.
1: Yeah. If, I know what you're saying.
0: If he actually plays defense, when he actually tries, he's really good on defense. The problem is really he doesn't good. try. Yeah, And I'm starting to think that's more of a, of the actual product than what it is like, you know, hmm. whatever. Right. But I don't know. Rubio to me is going to shore up the team. Um, it's going to be really, it's going to be really fascinating to see what the Timberwolves do. Cause I agree. Anthony Edwards, you've talked about Anthony Edwards a lot. Um, yeah. We'll see how he plays. Right. We'll see if he does the athletic things. We'll see how good his defense is in the NBA. It's a, it's a lot of question marks in Minnesota right now, but there are, there are. I think, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of good, good aspects to the team. So, yeah. So since this part of the podcast went a little longer than I expected, we're going to wrap this part up and we're going to record a separate part of the episode, just devoted to the draft guys, because uh, we can release baby. that. At, we can release that late at a later time, but let's talk about the current news now so that way that way we have a timely thing out and then the the draft guys we, we'll probably hold till next week but yeah I'm Caleb, man um just in the spirit of closing things out it's been it's been fun talking to you about this can't wait to talk to you about the draft in 2 minutes
1: yeah i and, you know i'm i'm looking forward to our our next discussion
0: yeah of course and let me promote some stuff before we start the next episode um Go right ahead lin sanity man you're you've been on fire lately just i'm, I'm going to say it. you're you're a ball of fire um Every episode that you put out recently has been incredible. So, shout out Sanity. Um Who'd you you had uh, Zach Griffith and. Bryce, I mean, you have Bryce on every Monday.
1: I do, uh, but I got the, I got an old, old trio back together, you know, an, an old, uh, old school big three together. And uh, we, we came out with the, cla- uh, a solid episode. Uh, we'll have Bryce and me on uh, for next week. It'll just be the two of us. So keep your eye out for that.
0: Which big three are, which big three are you guys? Are you guys uh, Pierce, Garnett, and Ray Allen? Are you guys the Heatles? Are you guys, Um, I, I can't say the Warriors. I'd like they to have big say, four
1: yeah i i would like to say that i think zach griffith brings the energy increases the morale so i think he's like the kg Mm. i think bryce is the ray allen who gives like the hot takes and then everybody's like oh he's just raining down and then the stability of paul pierce is where i feel like i am i feel like we're just the the uh beginning big three
0: i feel i appreciate you not giving yourself garnett I that's I, no, no, that, I, didn't that's, I didn't deserve that. That's that's true sure of you. That's that's true sure of you. <laughs> Zach
1: gave the, he, he gives the morality. He's the guy that uh, that that gets it together. And then from there, you got Pierce Allen doing their thing. So
0: speaking of Zach, um, he has a podcast out this week on Circle City Cinema with uh, Brett Sexton, where he breaks down two David Fincher movies, the game and the cult classic Fight Club, where. And they're starting a series on David Fincher films, in because there's a new David Fincher movie coming out on December fourth. So the, look out for the that series. That's going to be good because those guys are always good. Another product Zach Griffiths is on is the Battleground. They're off this week, but I believe they'll be back next week with incredibly hot takes because those that's a that's an incredible hot take podcast right there. Battleground is, but J D Hall and Bryce Shaddy on that one as well. Um, Triple Option Pass will be back this week. It won't. It, I'm not gonna say it won't be as good, right? Because those guys are always good. But Devin Voss gave me everything I was looking for last week with his with his joyous Notre Dame takes. And I it's, I don't I don't pay as much attention to college football. But was there as much for for Devin Voss to be as joyous about this week, Caleb? I don't. I don't Probably not. Probably I, they not. beat they beat Boston College, right? They should
1: have. A thing that a thing a thing to maybe look out for would be if potentially Indiana would beat Ohio State because, you know, he is a fan of the upsets when they come. So
0: I mean that's if Indiana beats Ohio State, they gotta get Bryce Shaddy on there because <laughs> if, <has> the <laughs> if he has the courage. If he
1: has the courage. I I would but be I don't at work. Think yeah, I don't think there's any problem. I feel like Ohio State will get it, but we'll just say. I,
0: I don't know what makes you say that. I, I think IU has a chance. I think IU has a chance. Um, I, I can't. Can't go. Let's see. I promoted everything. Um, before we go, I want to get a football take out of you. Oh. Okay. So, we got the news today that Jameis Winston won't be seeing the field at all. It sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm gonna ask the. I'm gonna ask the question this way. Taysom sure. Hill. Why the hell is this guy getting the snaps over Jameis Winston?
1: Because they paid him $8 million and they want to figure out a way to use his money. In the NFL, it's as important as ever to use your hard guys because you're on hard cap. Winston was not really signed to this huge deal. It was more of a, Oh, all right, we'll just take a potential guy, Taysom Hill. You paid $8 million, start using him. I think for the saints, they feel like they have salary obligations. And um, I think that's the biggest reason why they did it because you can't tell me Hill throws a better ball than Winston. And um, I, I just think, they're, they're, to me, this is just a money thing.
0: I saw something before before we close. I saw I saw a tweet from Roger Sherman today. Oh. It said Taysom Hill is older than Brock Osweiler, who just retired. Oh. Wait, 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 wait! It gets better. It gets better. But he's oh, throwing 55 career fewer passes than Jake Luton.
1: Oh. Oh, 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 this is, oh, oh, you just, oh, what a stat, what a stat, what a stat, and the Brock Osweiler thing is just, uh, yikes.
0: The Jake Luton thing. I know, I know. How many games has this guy played?
1: Three? Oh, he's literally like two, two games, two games, Alex. Um, Yeah, I know, I know. What are you going to do?
0: Also, um, I want to make sure you check out the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. It was probably the best thing Dylan and I have ever done, which is saying something. If that you, is saying something. If you want to hear me go off on Tony Larusa, I'm not going to do it again today because I'm Are a bigger sure, man. Alex? Than to go- Are you sure? Yes, I'm. Don't go. Don't go to me. Don't go to me. I'm not going down sure, this road. Alex? I could get uh,
1: you to go off on Larusa right here.
0: Don't. 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 Okay. Don't. Please. Okay. Please. I want to keep it. I want to keep it to the to the Wednesday okay. pod. Oh. Okay. Okay. I go off on Tony Larusa, and also we get, we we were doing it live during the first round. (laughs) So there was some, uh, we reacted to the Luke Kennard trade as it happened. And uh, we talked about the Rubio trade, but we didn't really get into it like the way we got into it here. So that's why I wanted to talk about it again. Um, Caleb, thank you for joining me and I will talk to you again. Literally as soon as this podcast is over. Yep.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) I'll see you.